the big thing people gravitate toward is how do I create a fairly watertight system that will allow me to deal with and externalize the considerable amount of stuff that I've been juggling up in my head up until this point. Everybody wants to get things done, but will everybody take the time to learn how? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the VetX Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I am your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and today, Robert Peake is my guest. We laughed during our interview when we called him one of the apostles of David Allen, who is a big name in personal productivity because of Getting Things Done, his book, GTD. It's a system of task management that attracted Robert years ago as a young pup out of college, and he eventually became head of technology for Allen before striking out on his own as a consultant, helping people balance between high performance and well-being. So he's worked with folks in human medicine, and now we're thinking about veterinarians, you, and the same principles apply. So I've been sold on GTD for years, but Robert will explain to the newbies. So for those who have not delved into the book and have not seen, I feel like there's basically a thousand workflow diagrams of people like spelling out the steps for themselves. When you sit down with a client for the first time, what is sort of your elevator pitch? Here's the system you're intrigued by. You're overwhelmed. You think you're busy or you think you could be even more efficient. Here's the system, the elevator pitch for the system. And what are the sort of the basic steps that you walk the people through? Yeah, it's actually, I like to say, you know, very much not rocket science, built on first principles that are very easy to understand. And I think that's okay. that's part of the appeal. This is not organic chemistry. This is not nuclear physics. This is something that just about anybody goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? Okay. And the make sense part is that we're all doing some version of this. We just may not be doing it to the level of sort of precision and crispness or have ever thought about it at a kind of meta level in terms of what it is we're doing. But the GTD methodology and when we work with people basically to help them kind of get back in control of their lives, we're tuning up five phases. And again, they're phases you'll recognize phases you're doing. So one is to capture whatever's coming at you that needs your attention, right? Either from in your head or from outside the world to somehow kind of wrangle that so it's not just slipping by <laughs> right in the stream of life. Then you need to clarify that. All we mean by that is you need to think about what it means and what you want to do about it, right? Then you need to put the results of that thinking somewhere that you can get back to it. That's what we call organize. Then you need to go back there from time to time to kind of you know orient yourself about what you ought to be doing. That's what we call reflecting on the system. And then you need to do that stuff. You need to actually engage. And when you do, you need to manage, we all need to manage, dealing with you know when do I need to clarify and organize the new stuff? When do I need to work from my system, the lists and calendar, whatever else I built to support me in navigating things? And when is it appropriate or inappropriate to deal with an interruption? And these days I include self-interruption in that a lot because <laughs> we're all, you know, hey, look there's another phone, Reddit right. feed I could check out or, you know, I wonder what's on the news or, you know, there's just continuous stream of opportunity to self-interrupt as well. So the art of engaging is a piece of that as well. But the, the big thing people gravitate toward is how do I create a fairly watertight system that will allow me to deal with and externalize the considerable amount of stuff that I've been juggling up in my head up until this point. That's the fun bit. That's the freedom. That's the part that just, <laughs> that's the real pitch. Once you get a taste of that, 
yeah. it kind of sells itself really to be honest for people. Yeah. I like the fact that you said a lot of these things, this is not like a system that is completely foreign. The terminology and everything will not be outside of the realm. It's not like we made up lingo for every single thing. They're very basic, as you said, kind of first principles that are guiding the things. And whatever complications come out of that, you can make it as simple or as complicated as you need. But people are doing this already. I mean, you're talking about high-functioning, whoever it is, IT people, high-functioning executives, and in this case, high-functioning veterinarians, practice owners, doctors. These people are obviously very successful at getting things done because they've had to be. They've learned and got things done. They do it all the time. But whatever that overwhelm is or that sense that I can't keep track of everything, I feel like all five of those steps you mentioned have massive leaks. I've used the GTD for years, and every one of those steps, there's always some huge problem that develops somewhere along the line. So I wondered, you kind of gave those five steps. I wondered if we could walk through maybe just a little bit of each five steps and maybe wonder, what is the first barrier of this thing that sounds very simple, but actually creates a huge problem to confront if you have a problem with leaking in that step? Sure. Yeah. Happy to kind of walk through any and all that. And if there's anything specific to the veterinary world that you have questions about too, I'm happy to to see if we can map this or apply this in some way in particular as well. Okay, this is perfect. So then the first step capturing when you said, oh, we want to make sure all the ways in which things are coming in, potential tasks and tasks and information, that we feel like we're on top of those, that we know where everything is coming in. I feel like for a busy doctor, this is email, phone, texts, people in the room with you, people in another room. There are so many inputs and you can't bring them into... If you're a knowledge worker or in IT, sometimes you can arrange your world sitting at a desk. I have everything funneled into one place. And I feel like for some executives and some people working out there who are high functioning, they do not have a world where they can have one inbox. They have many inboxes and there is a perpetual problem of I can't keep track of all the inboxes because they don't flood into one place and I can't make them flood into one place. So somebody tells you that I have too many inboxes. There are too many ways for people to reach me. What do you do at the capture stage, that first stage? It's a great question. And the, I think a really important thing to distinguish, and it's more than just semantics, is the difference between an input and an inbox. And the difference between those two things usually is you, right? So what I mean by that is generally, I'm, I'm guessing in a veterinary practice, there's clinic time and then there's other time, right? I mean, when you're with a patient or a, a pet and their owner or whatever it is, that's very concerted. Yeah, you know, and the, and the focus is clear, and the skill of your job is coming in primarily there. But then there's other times where you've got to figure out what you need to do, right? Yeah, and so that's where the GTD system really comes into play. And this very first step is about first of all recognizing when a commitment has been made, right? So that either means, yep, you know, I'll get you the prescription for that, you know, or all this or whatever. You've said something to someone, you've made a commitment. Or they've made a commitment to you, and you may need to track that. You may need in okay. some way to keep track of the fact that they said they'd do that and potentially follow up if they don't because you're on the hook about it. Or just you care about it. You care about it getting done. If a commitment gets made, you then need to capture it in some way. Capturing is the process of taking a raw input and making sure it gets into an inbox, right? So general principles with this are that, A, you don't want to shut down you know, channels of input unnecessarily. Like if you have to take, you know, a ping on a certain text channel or whatever, then you do, right? You don't want to 
turn away customers. You don't want to, you know, anger your family members, etc. <laughs> you know, you may only email me from this hour to that hour, dear sister, uh-huh. or whatever, right? You'll you know, be tempted you, because under stress, you'll be tempted to under do stress. So, you'll be tempted to just shut it all down if you can, <laughs> for goodness sake. Right. But there's actually some very simple and straightforward ways to be able to take an input and put it into an inbox. But first, you have to have some inboxes. You have to decide and declare certain things to be an inbox. In my world, there are literally two. I have a physical inbox sitting right next to me on my desk here, and I have email. And I get a lot of different inputs in the course of a day. Uh, Slack and Microsoft Teams and WhatsApp notifications and email and social media channels and, 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 and on and on and on. So fundamentally, it's incumbent on me to make sure that those things that are commitments, not just nice chats or conversations or WhatsApp with, you know, with the nephew or whatever, those things that are commitment oriented do get into one of those two places. So I have a fighting chance of knowing what's my real load of stuff that needs to then be clarified and organized into a system. So there's no way around the fact that you do need to identify and capture those things that are commitments that matter to you. But once you start getting trained on that, it just starts kind of running in the background, right? We're having a nice chat, but if some at some point you said to me, oh yeah, I'll send you the transcript of this afterwards, I'd just right. be scribbling a note and throwing it into my inbox right next to me and forgetting about it. Because I know I have a regular habit of later going to these various inboxes and making sure that those things get into my system to be appropriately tracked. Do you find if people have multiple digital inputs. So again, you don't just have one email inbox, you wind up having two or three. And you don't just have one text message thing, you have text message and you have WhatsApp and you have people reaching out to you on Facebook message. Is it a technological answer to this too many digital inboxes that most people go for? In other words, we're going to go for something like an if-then algorithm (laughs) program that's going to bring all the stuff for my messaging and make it emails or put it in my whatever. Is that how people go? Because you can't, just as you said, you can't turn the channel off. How do you get the channel to funnel into that one box? Yeah, it's a great question. And we've seen so many technological marvels in our lifetime, right? Right now it's stable diffusion and chat GPT and this incredible parody of sentience that AI is bringing to our doorstep. But prior to that, it was just, you know, simple things like you mentioned, if this, then that, and open APIs and routing things around through magic, through the airwaves. At the end of the day, there's a certain amount of overhead to that and not everything talks nicely to everything else and so forth. So I'm ruthlessly practical in my approach to all of this because I have to be. Things are just moving far too fast for me to fiddle and faff and also potentially lose stuff if there's a glitch in the integration. So my approach to all of that is real, real simple. I have a pad of paper here. It's You can't see it on an audio <laughs> podcast, but it's gridded because I sometimes like to scribble out a, you know, a D&D dungeon or a grid or whatever in on here I like to right. draw. And it's also nice to have lines. It's tear off. So I can literally tear it off and physically throw it into the inbox. There's something very satisfying about throwing it in there and saying, not yet, but I will deal with it. And then the second tool I have is my phone. And my phone, I've got a little app that basically I input my email address once. And then from then on, when I open the app, it just gives me a a blank text box. And I can say milk or uh, reorg the company or whatever it is that's on my mind. And it goes straight to my email inbox. The third option is in things like Slack and some of these forums and so forth, you can often get what's called a permalink, which is just a URL that if you click it, it goes directly back to that conversation or thread or whatever. I might email that to myself. 
And a fourth option is on the phone, just taking a screenshot. So someone's, you know, I'm WhatsApping with someone. We think we're just having a nice conversation. And next thing you know, they ask me to do something. Screenshot, send to <laughs> self, off it goes. Right. Okay. I think you have advertently or inadvertently led to the second step, which I think is clarify. That's right. Because what you said is the stuff comes in and I feel like there's a tendency. There's so many things come in. We see it. We just triage or we're just triaging. So there's mm-hmm. stuff I do need to do, mm-hmm. but I don't need to do it now. So that just gets dumped to look at later. And we do not clarify. So maybe you can describe the magic of the clarify step that's super crucial after the stuff tumbling in. It is super crucial because most people don't really do the clarifying to the level or degree or they haven't been taught how to use this particular thought process in the methodology. You know, we think categorically. We think I'll remember that later. We create sort of to-do lists, and every to-do list I've ever seen has been an incomplete list of unclear stuff, according to GTD standards anyway, right? It's not everything. It's some subset of, I hope this is the right subset, and I'm not forgetting anything. And it says things like mum or reorg or whatever, right? It's just, it's a few words that are sort of a key into then having to remember and having to rethink what it was you were trying to tell yourself that you wanted or needed to do when you thought of that right. thing. So the clarify process is very straightforward. It basically says that you need to identify what you're trying to do here, which is, we call it your desired outcome. What do you want to be true? Why did you write that down? Well, something's not true that you want to be true. <laughs> In almost every case of everything you've ever written down, it's because something's not true yet and you want to make it true. Okay. So you have a desired outcome. Often it's going to take several steps to get there, a desired outcome. And so at minimum, you need to identify what's the very next step to start moving in that direction. So most people put mom on a to-do list. We say, no, actually, let's go a little further. What's your desired outcome here? I want to throw mom a birthday party. Great birthday party for mom is desired outcome. So there's a bunch of steps. It's catering this, that, whatever. What's your very next step to get there? Well, I need to call my sister because we need to coordinate. So you have a very next step of call sister that could show up on a list of calls to make or things to do in the office or personal or however you want to decide that that's the the type of list and the place where you'll do that. And then a list of desired outcomes, one of which is great birthday party for mom. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I'm, I'm glossing over some of the finer points and you go can go find diagrams and so forth about exactly how Correct. to do this. But fundamentally, it's about breaking out sort of what's your finish line state And what's your very next step? Because those two things need to be represented in a system in order for you not to have to rethink what was, oh yeah, what about mom (laughs) the next time you go to any kind of system to work from it. And I feel like a lot of people who try the system for the first time, and I think I did this too, and I see this happen when I look at online forums, they get in the weeds with hyper-specificity. They get lost in the system and lose the task. So this is the first time they've really looked at their to-do list, and there's so many things. And then as soon as they capture it all, they want to clarify all of it, and you can tell they become mentally fatigued. I wrote a next action. It feels too big. And then people are like, well, it's not quite your next action then. Keep digging. But you can see them become cognitively exhausted by having to capture and clarify all this stuff in that initial mind sweep. I brought everything out of my mind. Oh, my God. So don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Little and often is so much better. And in the UK, we have this great phrase, a change is as good as a rest. And it's really true. So 15, 20-minute nibbles are perfectly fine. It's amazing how much thinking we actually have to do to survive in the 21st century. There's a lot of thinking to be done. And so the real question that GTD asks is, do you want to do that thinking up front 
when it comes to you in the you know, in the luxury of having a, a quiet moment to process the various things that are going on? Or do you want to do that at the 11th hour, adrenalized, trying to get it over the line just before the <laughs> deadline, forgotten, people are yelling at you? Right. Which would you prefer? Because you could do either. GTD just is the one option that lets you do the front loading of the thinking yes. and then lets you represent the thinking in a way so that you don't have to rethink. Because Figuring it out the first time is hard enough, right? <laughs> you know, figuring right. out what you know, what did I, what do I need to do with this email from this, you know, irate customer? Like, what do I, you don't want to have to reread that email twelve times? Figure out what you need to do, you know, get the desired outcome set about you know, customer happy or refunded or whatever, and get that into your system, and then work from that rather than from the raw materials over and over and over and over. And I think it's also realistic. So in the medical world, obviously, diagnostics and treatments and technology becomes more sophisticated all the time. And doctors, just like all of the rest of us in the modern world, we are all cyborgs. Now, we're either cyborgs using other people's brains to remember things or our systems yes. or this thing will tell me what to do. And I just think this is a recognition that your tasks, you also should autom you should put this into a system that is outside of you. Yes. So you recognize that your brain and yourself cannot totally hold on to all the things the modern world is demanding. Like no veterinary practice would operate without some kind of medical record system. Right. You're not going to remember all the pets and all and really like and all their vaccinations right. and everything oh, and the yeah. no way man forget about it. So this is just called for ev literally everything else that's not in your patient record system, right? And that the receptionist isn't handling for you. For literally everything else you need equally good systems. And so anyone that works in a in an environment where there are some really good systems that are helping them run things without having to remember things, I think very naturally and automatically understands, wow, if I had equally good, equally sharp, equally crisp systems where I know when to go to it called the Chihuahua's in front of me, <laughs> I need to call up the Chihuahua's <laughs> record, right? It's really obvious where to go. It's really obvious what's already happened. It's really obvious what needs to happen next. Imagine if you had that for the rest of your professional life and also all of your personal life. Well, I know where to go next. I know, you know, how to make sure I'm on top of stuff and the kids get to soccer practice on time and all of that too. So people that understand the value of systems and as you said, understand that we're all, you know, computer aided and, you know, cybernetic creatures as a result, right. I think understand and gravitate toward this and, and say, yeah, there has to be a better way to run all the other stuff that's actually a lot more ambiguous than the chihuahuas on the table in front of me. How do I run all of that? And GTD, for me, for decades, has been the answer to that. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Oh. 
Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two. So this is awesome. We've got everything out of our head and we sat down and we clarified it all so we know what the next actions are. Uh, the third step, that's probably, we jump right to do, right? There's no, the third step, we just jump, but that's not <laughs> just actually Just go and do step. it. Yeah, just go and do right, it. Right, just good, go do it. You know what I'm Good everything. luck doing everything that every email in your inbox tells you you need to do right now, plus all the text messages, plus all the stuff that you suddenly remembered in the shower this morning, you know? Correct. Enjoy that 400-hour day. <laughs> yeah, totally happened. So what's the third step that actually, third and fourth steps come before that fifth step? Yes, there's a couple more steps. And the next one is you've done this good thinking, but what do you want to do with it? Where do you want to put it so you can get back to it appropriately, right? So we just talked about the appropriateness of medical record systems and how nicely you can search and call up the right information you need to get the patient history to then be able to take next steps in relation to that. And it's that exact same level of information retrieval that you need from a good system to manage the rest of all the ambiguous things coming at you personally and professionally. So what that comes down to is thinking sort of with the end in mind, where am I going to be when I want to do this? What am I going to have available to me when I want to do this? What are my energy levels going to be like when I want to do this? What kind of general amount of time potentially do I need to be able to do this? And then you want to put those next actions, those very next steps, into those kind of contexts. The simplest dividing line for most people is just personal and professional, right? Just called work and home. But a lot of people realize, actually, you know, within work, there's times when I'm fresh, like first thing in the morning, and maybe I want to do a bit of writing or record a video or something that's more intensive. So I might have a, you know, write and record stuff subset of that kind of work environment. I might not always want to make an outbound call, so I might have a list of calls. There might be certain systems that I'm logged into, and I want to just batch you know, and do several things at once in there so I can collect next actions in there. Then there's some more subtlety. There's things that we call agenda lists, which are just kind of ad hoc agendas to raise with people in your environment. So when the partner is, is in, you know, I want to be able to talk to him about this, that, or the other. And then also special list, another special list called the waiting for, which is just where do I track all the stuff that other people are doing that I care about that I might potentially need to follow up with them about everything from an, Am- an Amazon parcel to reminding someone that they said they do something really important for me. And I know I have seen this also in seeing people wrestle with the system, the persnickety specificity of when they get lost in the weeds on context. I've seen them get lost in the weeds with clarifying things. They get lost in the weeds with figuring out the context of where will I be? What will my energy be? And they start spending a lot of time spinning their wheels on, is this a 30-minute thing or an hour thing? I have to decide. And am I going to be in my car or will I be in the other car or will I be at that house or that practice? I need to make sure everything, and they wind up with this list of way too many contexts or places where they could be doing the work. I've seen that too. And the impulse is good. You know, the spirit of it is good, which is that you right. want to be kind to that future self and really suss out what all the, the things are going to be. And you probably have already gotten a taste of the beauty of showing up into a particular context and having all the things sort of pre-chewed and ready to go for you to execute on. I call it feeling like you've had a, you have a psychic PA. Right, Someone that set you up for success who also knows the inner workings of your brain so beautifully that they really can hand you just the right thing. You know, here you go, Mr. Prime Minister or, you know, whatever, right? That, you know, right. walking in the halls in the, you know, in the, the dramas where it's like, you know, this just in, sir, you know, whatever. 
So the intention is good, and you do want to get to that place, but it's probably a lot simpler than you think. Generally, we don't do a lot with time boxing things, and we don't almost okay. ever do anything with ABC priority codes or that kind of thing. It Which really is really about, popular. Franklin, Franklin Covey and the Covey stuff, they were really about prioritizing. They were day, really about prioritizing and the codes. ABC they really part. took the whole Eisenhower matrix to a whole nother level. And that's valuable work to think about right. stuff to some extent. But the speed at which we're moving, again, ruthless practicality needs to rule the day. And so just starting with a list of next actions, personal and professional, waiting for agendas is a perfectly fine starting point. You will have big lists. You want to think naturally, how might I break these down a little bit personally and professionally, but be very practical. There should be a good use case for going to these particular contexts. You should be able to say, yeah, when this happens, that's going to trigger me to go to this kind of list. And if you can't, it's just theoretical and you're potentially creating overhead you don't need. I should mention too, obviously, in addition to these next action contexts, you need a list of projects, right? So you need to keep track of that finish line state as well. Some people find it a little funny that that's, those things are separate, but actually they're very different mindsets reviewing the ultimate outcome to see what's the very next step and just getting in motion with doing the very next step. So I think that list is separate. That list is separate. And you're right. That is that is a sort of meta task management thing that many people I don't think have thought about because they become very busy with their job and their life and they get so many things done. So these next actions that pop up, do this, do this, do this, do this. And when these projects loom, I think maybe a, a warning sign or a disaster that is created, if they have a project which is multiple steps to get done and it's kind of so big They leave it there because they have all these immediate actions they can get done and the project sits too long and then that causes them a problem. So you're right. A list of projects which have multiple next actions possibly and the actual action that is the next thing to do to make that project move a little further. Absolutely right. And that starts to lead us nicely into reflect, right? The rhythms at which you look at your next actions versus And that's a disaster. So I think lots of people get into GTD. I hear this all the, I've listened to all these podcasts. They talk about the review phase, that phase of reflecting. You get the list, you start using next actions, you've got the projects going, you do certain things in certain places, and you just don't, you feel so efficient and productive. You don't want to go back and look at the system. It's a lot of stuff to go back through all your projects. Who knows how many you got? It's exhausting. How much time do you have to devote to that? So people dump this fourth step that's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. Yeah, because if, if you are just happily building things out, I mean, the, the first real milestone is people, when they figure out how to actually clear their email inboxes, they're usually elated. <laughs> it's this amazing magic moment of, I never thought that was possible. You know, and then we say, well, it is called an inbox. It's supposed to go in. It's not a, like stay there forever box. And there is a better way, you know, to move those things on into clarified next actions and projects. However, you can sort of get stuck in the the joy of doing that, a bit like getting stuck in the joy of getting a mind sweep done without actually going further with the process. So you do need not only to build the system, you need to use the system. And there's kind of two rhythms to that. Day to day, you're basically back and forth between your calendar for the hard landscape and the clinic sessions and meetings and calls and whatever that is that's got to be done in a certain time. And then for all the white space, for all the time when you've got to decide how best to use your time, that's when you consult your next action lists. Now, as you say, if you just did that day on day on day and ignored your projects, the larger outcomes, you'd be getting a lot of stuff done, but not necessarily be joining up with 
the bigger picture of what needs to get done. So we say at least once a week, and really as often as needed, you need to also look at the projects, the finish lines that you're going to cross at some point and go, okay, to get to that finish line, now what's my next step? What's my next entry point to working on that particular project? And next actions ultimately are just that. They're just bookmarks of where you left off or what the next entry point is into moving that project along, if you like. Have you found with that review phase, this is where also, I think the GTD is strongest at, I mean, David Allen talks about, he's got these metaphors, you know, the whatever the runway level, there's your actions, and then it goes up, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, and it gets fuzzier and more ambiguous, these perspectives in the GTD system as they kind of go up and down. The wide version at the runway where you've sorted out everything that's happening on the ground level, it's so good at that. This weekly review is also supposed to be a time sometimes when you look at it, it may at least quarterly, but you're looking at your perspectives. And that's where I think it gets a little fuzzy. So I want to know from your perspective, in joining bigger purposes, bigger values, bigger goals that are multi-year things, is that something you found successful with clients doing that weekly, monthly, quarterly, or do they people build other systems that will help them figure out, am I aligned with my purpose in life? Yeah, that's a good question. So first of all, I think, for those that aren't familiar, we should talk about what these horizons are that we're yes. talking about. So these horizons already exist. They're already part of your life. You just may not have externalized them. So the truth is next actions, the very basic one, what you call the runway. Uh, by the way, we ditched that metaphor because in Europe, 50,000 feet doesn't mean a whole lot. And, you know, however many equivalent <laughs> kilometers got weird. So we, we just say levels, you know, one, two, three, four, five. But even there, you know, here, the ground floor and the America's the first floor. So <laughs> welcome to my cultural nightmare. But getting back to the matter at hand. So next actions, you have them. You just may not have written them down, right? There are next steps to take to move along the projects you care about. Up one level from that, projects or desired outcomes is probably even a, a cleaner way to look at it. Desired outcomes, you have those, right? You have stuff you want to get done, and it's going to take multiple steps to get there. Up one level from that, what we call areas of focus are just your job responsibilities, your life responsibilities. Everyone on the planet has one called health, for example, but you may also have, obviously, veterinary responsibilities. You may be a parent, you may be a homeowner, whatever. These are things to look after, maintain, support, ongoing stuff, right? The the actions and the projects get ticked off. The areas of focus don't normally change unless life circumstances change, right? Right. And then up from there, a couple more levels that are like projects, but just on a longer timeline. We call them goals and we call them vision, but it really just means finish lines you're going to cross more like two to three years from now and three to five years from now, respectively. So goals and vision. And then that top level is purpose and principles and values, all that kind of stuff that, you know, asks the why rather than the how, right? right? Like what gives you a sense of purpose? Why are you here? What's your kind of mission statement? And what are your values or your principles? You don't want to transgress, basically. So, as you said, that that gets more and more woolly the further you kind of go up that model. Next action is super clear. But five years from now, who knows? The fact, the truth is that you don't necessarily have to have a really, really sharp sort of five-year plan. But people often do have some sense of where they'd like to be going. So it's actually appropriate that things can get a little fuzzier or not the higher up you go. But then as it kind of cascades down, as those things join up, well, if I want to be here in five years, then a couple of years I don't want to be here. And this is this year's projects as I move along in that kind of five-year plan. So things get crisper and crisper further down. 
Also, things as you go higher up need to be reviewed usually less frequently, right? So we talked about the weekly review. That's something where projects really need to be attended to at least weekly. Stuff like goals and vision, that longer term stuff, we have something we call the yearly review. So my wife and I, around this time of year in January, do a yearly review together. We look back on the past year and accomplishments and challenges. We look forward into the coming year. We look at, you know, any of these kind of other supporting, you know, information around goals or vision or where we want to be more long term. And then we make it practical. Okay, well, what what do we actually want to commit to this year that's going to help us move in that direction? So, yes, absolutely. You really don't want to be looking at your kind of five-year goals every week. You do want to be looking at projects, areas of focus, I don't know, as as often as needed, monthly, quarterly, whatever works for you, and so on and so forth, right? So it is a really nice model for acknowledging the importance of externalizing these different levels of thinking about your life, both in terms of timeline and sort of type of, you know, element of your lifestyle. And it's not prescriptive, but it is basically saying, get it out in a way that works for you and review it as often as you need to so you feel like you're lined up. The ideal scenario is, you know, this is my next email to send because this is my purpose in life. In reality, you know, most people don't feel like they need an absolute, you know, spreadsheet where every row connects to every other level and, you know, it's all perfectly wired, right? You know, the prime directive and all this kind of stuff. You really just need to do it as often as you need to to feel like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm kind of aligned with the bigger picture. I'm focused in generally the right direction. The fifth step I feel is the most obvious, the doing, the taking action. But it sort of, I mean, maybe just talk a little bit about it. And then something we didn't talk about at the capture phase, which when you hear people say, oh, I didn't read the book and I heard David Allen talk about this, but at least I took some value from it. It was the two-minute rule. So maybe you could just talk about the action at the end. Everything's, you know what you're supposed to do. You're in the right place to do it. You do it. Is there any issue there that you encounter a lot? And then maybe you could just mention way back at the beginning when you're pulling stuff in, how the two-minute roll affects your chunking during that mind sweep. You're taking all this stuff in. Sure. Yeah. So actually, why don't we start with the two-minute rule? It's one of the, yeah. I mentioned, finer points in the clarifying and organizing process, which, by the way, generally goes together in one, right? You're going to do the thinking and put it somewhere. We break it out because there's some slightly different best practices for each. But in the process of clarifying, what we say is, is you know, if it's just a couple minutes or less to actually take the next step once you've identified it, feel free to do it. Don't write it on a list and get it out later and so forth. There's some overhead associated with that. So it may be you respond to that email that only takes a couple minutes. And then what goes into your system is a waiting for because you've responded and you're waiting for the response back because this is a project that's active in your system. And then you're literally just bookmarking that you're waiting for them to get back to you on that. Waiting for was the life changer for me. So the idea that that waiting for list, because again, you delegate stuff to people, but you just forget your mind's not going to let go of it. Even if the person's amazing, you're still going to think about it. And they're going to go on holiday or get hit by a bus or who knows what. Stuff happens. People get ill. People forget we're all human. It's absolutely right. So anybody that's working in a team, especially if you sort of manage anybody, the waiting for list is an absolute, absolute savior. In fact, for some people, I say start there, right? Start there, which is making a list of all the stuff that's outstanding. You're pretty on top of your game, but just make sure that you can follow up appropriately when you're managing people. So that's one place where doing happens is just in the in the two-minute rule, right? So in, 
actually, when you're going to tackle your inbox and you have 10,000 emails in there, which is not my record. I've coached people with upwards of 70,000 emails in their inbox, if you can believe that. When there's a large number of emails, you know, 60, 70% of that often is stuff that just needs to be filed or deleted or it was FYI to begin with. Then when you apply the two-minute rule to some of this stuff, quite a bit more uh, gets moved along. I often have coaching clients who their direct reports come in. Back when we were doing it in person, they'd come into the office and go, what's going on? <laughs> I just got 20 emails from this person. Like, what, what, what are you doing in here? That you know, I've been waiting for weeks on this stuff. How did it get unstuck? It's a two-minute rule, right? It's just called, look, if it's quick enough, just knock the ball out of your court you know, right. to keep things moving. So, yeah, I mean, so a lot of stuff can actually get moved along. And then there is this kind of, you know, this certain amount of emails or whatever the inbox is that you really do need to clarify and organize. Then having done that, when it's in your system, all, you know, nicely there, when you go to review, review and engage, at least on the daily rhythm, kind of go together as well, right? So you're going to come to the end of a meeting, have a look at your list, see you've got 20 minutes, you know, before the next meeting or whatever it is, and you've got a list of things to do at work. And it should be fairly, fairly obvious which ones you can pick off in about 20 minutes. And if you've been doing your weekly review of the projects and see how the actions join up to the projects, it should be fairly self-evident which one to pick next to make best use of those 20 minutes of white space in your calendar. So that's one thing is just when you go to engage, being very practical about, okay, what's the next best thing to do? And it's an interesting thing because people so often want to have this, you know, this grand bigger picture of here's what I'm going to do today. And then they do it and then they feel like a good person for having done it. And the reality is you can just do your best moment to moment. And that's actually what I think, well, and what GTD would say is optimal. What really is optimal is making the best choice you can moment to moment in a changing landscape, in a busy practice with, you know, a howling cat that you weren't expecting coming in, needing a rush thing, and the phone's out, the phone system is out today and whatever else. It's like, you know, good luck making your 8 a.m. Here's the five things I'm going to do today to be a good boy right. in my practice, right? This is much more aligned with reality, which is called, okay, here I am. What's the best choice I can make about how to spend my time in these 20 minutes? That's the whole point of it, actually, right? That's the whole purpose of GTD, I would say, Brendan, is is to have that experience of moment to moment, I'm making the right choice. I'm focused on the right thing. I can give this my full attention because I know all the other stuff in my system can wait for now until I complete this. I suspect this is a whole nother can of worms, so you are perfectly welcome to just give the teaser worm slithering out of the can is okay. <laughs> but when I hear GTD talked about, when people talk about it the most, even in large, gigantic organizations, it's talking about an executive being coached. Very seldom have I seen GTD executed at once at the organizational level, even in a small team. I've seen people use things from GTD, but not multiple people decide we're going to do this. The closest I've gotten is what you're talking about. We're like you and your partner, you and your wife or husband, you and your kid could buy into GTD at the same time. But it doesn't seem like an organizational thing. But I know you work on organizational things. So I'm curious from your perspective, if the manager gets excited about GTD and it works for them, people see it and they might buy it and might not. Is there a way to push or share or learn or ways you try to go in to a group and say, could the group start doing GTD? 
So t- I won't great question, and you're very in the zeitgeist with all of this. So David's next book is going to be GTD for Teams, and it's coming down the line, coming to a bookstore hopefully soon near you. And yes, absolutely. So you know, my experience is spending many years working at David Allen Company, and now with Next Action Associates here in the UK, and. Part of why I like hanging out with and working with these people is it's a dream to work in a GTD-enabled organization where your action list and their waiting for list match up and (laughs) nothing's fallen through the cracks. And we have, in 10, 15 minutes, we clarify and identify in meetings things that people sometimes take weeks in other organizations to finally get to and and bottom out. Everyone goes away with clear actions and clear projects and it all gets tracked. And it's amazing. People would think, oh, it must be really uptight and oppressive. And what is, no, it's absolutely liberating to know that everyone's, you know, playing kind of to the same standard and there's not going to be these 11th hour panic weird moments and nobody's going to blame anybody because <laughs> everybody's got their stuff together. So right. it's from that reference point that we've then taken this work to the larger organizational level just to go, hey, you know that, you know, how much this is helping you individually, this really can can up-level your whole team and even your whole organization. So. I can't really, you know, name a lot of names, but, you know, we work with actually some very, very big companies who get it. Usually it's at the top. It's the chairman or the CEO or members of the board who get GTD and really get it and say, this is it. We've got to figure out how to, how to roll this out. And so we do, we, we deliver, I would say most of our work is actually corporate seminars um, Mm -hmm. here in the UK going into a wide range, not just big companies, but also, you know, tech startups and other companies that get it and that really want GTD throughout their organization, supporting them with seminars, supporting them with a bit of one-to-one as much as they need to kind of get the customizations and get things rolling, supporting them with meeting effectiveness and how GTD meshes with all of that, supporting them with the kind of um, collaborative tools they're using or abusing and how they can align that with GTD. And as you can tell, I have a lot of enthusiasm for this because I can just, it just has a real, a real concerted impact on the whole organization when everybody really starts, starts doing this, doing this properly. So yes, it is a personal productivity system. Fundamentally, it's about you managing your commitments, but when the you know teams and organizations just sort of holistically start to do that. There is definitely something that's much greater than the sum of the individuals that comes into play in my experience. Yeah. Want to learn more about getting things done? Read David Allen's book of the same name and find Robert Peak at next-action.co.uk. That wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. Did you love it? Leave a review, tell your friends and vet met about us. And remember, this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to solving your leadership headaches in our VetX leaders community. Learn more at drdavenickel.com. And until next time, just want you to know, I appreciate 